This is I Ask, They Answer on the Equine Forum on HRRN. Chasing freedom is four wide, be dancer, real men, violin toward the inside as they turn for home after three quarters in one minute 14.74 seconds. Track Phantom charging on the outside as Resilience Hall of Fame flattens out. Chasing Freedom trying to keep a straight path and Sierra Leone charging hard on the outside. It's Track Phantom, Resilience, Chasing Freedom in tight quarters between horses. Sierra Leone on the outside for Tyler Gaffleone, Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone, Track, track Phantom down. Chasing Freedom third and Resilience finished fourth in the Resistar. Sierra Leone returned to the races with a vengeance last Saturday, rolling past the field to capture the Risen Star. John Dooley had the call. Sierra Leone is now catapulted to the top of the Derby rankings, but is it too soon to go all in on buying the Chad Brown trainee? Plus, would the Fountain of Youth be the right or wrong move for Holy Bull upsetter Hades? And which claimers make Dale and Tim's list of all-time great blue-collar horses? We're going to talk about those topics and much, much more straight ahead on this week's edition of I Ask, They Answer with trainer Dale Romans and turf rider Tim Wilkin, all presented by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program in the College of Business and all starting just 30 seconds from right now. Learn the business of horses in the world's only accredited equine business program, the University of Louisville Equine Business Program. The University of Louisville has a legacy of excellence educating and developing industry leaders for over 35 years. Classes are taught by industry experts in state-of-the-art facilities located in the heartland of America's equine industry. The University of Louisville Equine Business Program. When it comes to horses, we mean business. For more information, visit business.louisville.edu equine. All right, gentlemen, we're going to kick it off with a little game of buy or sell with topic number one, and that's based on what we saw in last weekend's Risen Star. So let's go with this one. Are you buying or selling the Risen Star winner, Sierra Leone? Tim, you want it first? Yes, I am buying. I thought it was such a visually impressive effort by the Chad Brown runner, you know, running down track Phantom on a sloppy track slow pace and um chad added blinkers for the first time for this uh 2.3 million son of gun runner and um yeah he he looked like uh a horse that's uh going to go on the bluegrass will likely be next and then on to the derby he won chad won this race a couple years ago with zandon and he then he went down to win the bluegrass with him and he was third in the derby so i think that um yeah, Sierra Leone, it, yeah, it's early. It was a sloppy track, slow pace, but I think that this horse has a ton of upside moving forward. Yeah, you got to buy him. Uh, he looks, there you go. He looks like the real deal. It was a very impressive race the other day on the slop, and that he's already shown he can run on fast track, so he's he's the real thing. All right, so would you be buying or selling the runner-up in that race, Track Phantom? Tim Wilkin. I would buy him as well. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, the Asmussen camp didn't have any problems. They, they, they were satisfied with that race. You know, yeah, of course you want to win. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, he did get away with a slow pace. He did uh, have to use him to get to the front from the 11 post. But I, I don't see any problem with this horse moving forward either. Um, I think he can be a factor in Louisville. 
Yep, got to buy him too. Speed's always dangerous. Asmussen's always dangerous. Uh, moving forward, plus this is such a strange year. I think uh, nobody's really stood up, stood out to me so far. So, still a wide open group by the speed. And the, this, this, you know, this race was probably the uh, the most competitive and the most salty field we've seen so far. They're going to get saltier as we move ahead, but so far this was the. Uh, I think the best prep race field um, of the season. So the top two finishers, you got to use both of them. You got to keep both of them. Buy them you both. Know, it, the, the numbers came back slow. From what somebody was telling me this morning, I, I never looked at them, but that was that was just the chatter on the rail this morning. Well, numbers only count in math class. That's what I always say, you know. But I just thought that was strange. Yeah. Is Sierra Leone now the horse group. to beat in this division looking to the Kentucky Derby? We got Danny Sierra Morgan's horse still right. floating out there. He'll show up in the fountain of youth. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's too, you know, it's, it's fiercest is still, you know, the jury might be a little bit out on him, but I think you've got to give him another chance too um, for the horses that are going into the Kentucky Derby. But Sierra Leone has to be uh, one of the ones right now. He has to be. Yeah, he's one of the top ones for sure. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep Dale awake with these next few. I'm, I'm throwing in some surprises here for you guys. You have no idea that these are coming. We're going to continue with buy or sell, and I'm going to ask you three more questions. Are you, Today is National Tortilla Chip Day, so are you buying or selling National Tortilla Chip Day? You like tortilla chips, Dale? I love tortilla chips with some good dipping sauce, whether it be guacamole or salsa. Yeah, I didn't know it was today, but I might go have me a few later. <laughs> so you're buying? I'm buying. Always buying the chips. Tim? I'm I'm buying only if the dip is good. Um, if, if the dip is crap, I don't want any part of it. Well, okay, so, so what's good dip? What does Tim Wilkin consider good dip? Um, guacamole is good. Um, I wouldn't mind a little hummus, a little healthy hummus for you. Uh, put that on the on the list. Salsa, so, salsa yeah. verde. Some what? Salsa, salsa verde. Well, that's that's all you because you're down there. That's green. I don't want that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing green for Tim. Right. I knew when I said the word green, Dale, he was out. He no, I bad. like I green like... vegetables, but the green dip kind of looks like barf to me. <laughs> what about the good old bean dip in the little can you crack open from Seven Eleven? That ain't bad either. <laughs> you can have that one. I'll never touch yeah. that. Throw a little cheese whiz on there. It's exactly yeah, right. Now you're, now you're talking. <laughs> All right, how about uh, tomorrow? Tomorrow is National Clam Chowder Day. Tim, are you buying National Clam Chowder Day? You know... I'm never going to buy clam chowder day because I remember an episode of the three stooges when Curly was making the soup. And I think it was, he had a clam in the soup and the clam was alive and kept coming up and biting them. So <laughs> I've always had a, a thing about clam chowder that I cannot touch thinking that Curly's clam is going to come up and bite me. So I've never eaten clam chowder and I never will Manhattan or New England. Well, I love, love clam chowder. And I, one of my goals in life is I want to be in Saratoga Springs, the Super Bowl weekend for the Chowder Festival. 
Everybody talks about how much fun that is, walking up and down the street. Never a restaurant makes a chatter and they have a contest, one winner. I like that that idea. Dale, yeah, New England or, or New England or Manhattan clam chowder, Dale? Mm, I'm New England most of the time, but every once in a while we'll throw a little Manhattan in there. I like the red sauce, too. All right, one more. Tomorrow is also National Chocolate-Covered Nut Day. Tim, what say you? Buy or sell? Oh, geez, I'm getting I'm getting all the cells today. I don't like nuts. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just not a, a, you know I've never been a guy that had that eats the chocolate with the nuts. And those candy bars, what the Zag nuts and the, those uh, almond joys stuff. I've, I've never been a guy for that. So I'm going to sell the nuts on the chocolate. Nah, you can't go wrong with a good Snickers bar. You know that, or an almond joy. Don't be knocking an almond joy. But I want to know who has the job of coming up with what day it is, what food day it is out there. <laughs> it's it's the uh, it's the guy that celebrates the national. I have nothing to do today. Yeah, and, and the guy that decides we have kind of a, a slow script today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I told you I was going to have a few surprises, so there you go. Uh, Dale, what's your favorite candy bar? You brought up candy bars. Uh, Probably an Almond Joy, the one he just criticized. Ooh, yeah, I can't stand those either. I'm with Tim on that one. Yeah. Remember those? Yeah, I like Snickers. Remember those 100 grand bars that you used to get? Oh, yeah, they were good. Yeah. You know... I know what to get now for Halloween when you guys knock on my door. <laughs> yeah. Dressed as the track phantom. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. That was buy or sell. We'll do it again uh, in a couple of weeks when we get some more horses to talk about or maybe some more national days to talk about as well. Um, how about this one? The world's richest race, the $20 million Saudi Cup, takes place later today. $20 million is that's pretty good money. That's life-changing money. Um, but guys, is it worth the risk of shipping all the way there and the very real possibility your horse isn't the same horse when he returns, at least for the remainder of this year? Dale, you've, you've shipped to the Middle East and back. What do you think? I think it's worth it, and I, I take the chances. And I, I don't know if those statistics all play out. I never really have sat down and looked at it, but I think you can get a horse back and have him ready for the summer races and back in good shape. You're talking about $12 million to the winner. I mean, how many horses are ever going to make that type of money in their life, no matter what, or have the opportunity to? You go from there, ship over to Dubai for another $10 million and give them a little time off. Be ready for the Whitney. I mean, the, the Saudi Cup, it's a pretty small sample. This is only the first one was run in 2020. Obviously, the Dubai World Cup has been around longer. But the one U.S. horse that has won the uh, Saudi Cup, well, won and then lost, was Maximum Security. He's been DQ'd. But he didn't, you know, he came back and didn't run again until July, won a couple races in California. And then he was um, uh, second in the Austin again and fifth in the Breeders' Cup Classic. You know, and you look at the other horses in a lot of them that went to Dubai, you know, they go like the Arrogates and the uh, California Chrome, uh, Curlin. You know, it's not like they're going to come back and run in a month. They, they, I mean, I don't know if it knocks them out or they just – It's Dale would have a better answer than me. It, it's um, Is it by design that you give them three months off after a trip to Dubai? 
but that's what seems to be the norm. I think it's by design. I think if you look at the – don't just look at those big races, but look at everybody who ships for the undercards and everything, and I think you've seen a lot of horses come back and do really well the rest of the year if you look at the the, the whole field. But but the fact that we're just looking at the the big race, is it um, – does does a does a ship like that knock the horse out? A race that hard against the best in the world is going to hurt no matter where it's run. I mean, you're going to have to run your hardest to win that race, and I think that that's the that's why I'm saying look at the whole group of the undercar races and all of them put together, and see if it's actually the ship or it's uh, the competitiveness and how hard they have to run to win against the best in the world, no matter where what the race a, would be run. When you, I mean, the, the shipping part of it. When you're shipping across the world like that, does that take something out of a horse when they get there and acclimate, run, that they have to come all the way back? Does that, does the ship itself, or does it depend on the horse? I think it depends on the horse, but I think the ship can take a little bit. I think they jet lag just like we do. I think it's uh, it takes them a few days to get their feet under them and get back uh, adjusted to the the change in time and the daylight and the and the, and the darkness, flip flopping and. It's, uh, you know, when I went over with Roses of May and we won, I called uh, Baffert and I called Bill Mott and asked them both for a little bit of advice. And they both told me the exact same thing. Have all your heavy lifting done here before you go over. Give them a light, nice little work in, over there. But have all the heavy stuff done here and keep them hydrated. And uh, that's what we did, and it worked out. But Roses, he never raced again after that, did he? No, but Rosa May was a different animal. It didn't have anything to do with the ship. He had, a, he was had always by design? fighting. No, he was always fighting a tendon and had other issues his whole life. He was, he was just a tough old horse, and and he uh, he got hurt training afterwards. And we had sold him to the Japanese, and he went on over to be a stallion. There wasn't he didn't need to do any more. I mean, if he was a perfectly sound horse and had no problems, nothing we had to work on all the time, he would have continued running. But like I said, he was always he always had issues. Okay. All right. Well, so it sounds like the ship is not all that big of a deal, and you take your shot for the $12 million to the winner, and hopefully you come back here $12 million richer, give your horse a little time off, and then move on from there. Okay, it is time for us to move on here in the show, and we get a chance to say hello to our friend Nick Zito, and Dale and Tim get to tell me if the following statements are right or wrong. Yeah, right or wrong. Am I right? What do you think? Right or wrong. Two statements for you this week, guys. Number one, Breeders' Cup juvenile winner Fierceness disappointed in his three-year-old debate, his three-year-old debut. I can actually say that in the Holy Bull. If Timberlake, who was fourth in the juvenile and is the six-to-five morning line favorite in today's Rebel, runs poorly, would it be right or wrong to say the juvenile field wasn't very good? What do you think? Right or wrong? Tim, what do you think? I think wrong. Um, I think it's too early to come down on a field. Um, there were nine horses that ran in the juvenile. Uh, four of them haven't come back to the races yet. And if we look back at the trainers of these horses, three were from Todd Pletcher, three were from Bob Baffert. I mean, Moose, who was second, won the for Bob in the in the juvenile. He won the San Vicente in his first start as a three-year-old. Um, Locke, who was third, missed this, uh, Sam Davis with a fever, and he's going to be coming back in the Fountain of Youth. What, he, he runs big there. I mean, you got to give props to the, this field then. 
Timberlake today. Um, um, noted who was last for Todd was uh, ran on the grass in his first start there, and he wind me up for another one from Baffert, who was second to last in the juvenile. Finished seven and a half lengths behind Nysos in his uh, last start. So I don't think that you can say that this uh, juvenile field wasn't any good. I think the jury's still out, but I think there's some potentially there's a chance that some nice horses will end up as three-year-olds here. Yeah, I agree. It's too early to tell. It's uh, you know they're, they're going to go on and do some good things. There are two good horses in there, and uh, they'll all come out running. I think it's just an odd group of horses. Uh, they all seem to be beating each other, and it's just there's just no standout. I think it's a strange year. It's a fun year though. I think it's been fun to watch it all. There's a standout, but he can't run in the Derby. Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, yep. went, I told you, I made him three to one early line in the Preakness. <laughs> yeah, maybe too high. Maybe a shorter price than that by the time we get well, to the by, middle jewel. By the time it gets there, but I'm giving you these odds early. Yeah. Sign Trainer Joe Orsino, guys, is still weighing his options with Holy Bull, Upsetter Hades. Orsino hasn't completely closed the door on a run in next Saturday's Fountain of Youth. Would it be right or wrong to run Hades in that race as opposed to waiting until the Florida Derby on March 30th? What do you think? Right or wrong? Dale, what do you think? Well, it's funny, talking to Jason Luch a couple of days ago, that uh, he was quoting a statistic he heard on a rival radio show that I won't mention, that the, peop- the people who always w- have waited for the last two races to-, to make the Derby their third start in the cycle, over the last 34. I'd say if your horse is ready, run him. Get, get some more experience under his belt. Mm, the D. Wayne Lucas School. Yep, it worked for him four times. Timmy, I mean, it's not. It's not like this is, uh, you know, uh, uncharted ground. I mean, te- trainers have run in both the Florida Derby and the Holy Bull before, um, and as recently as 2021, when Shug ran Greatest Honor, he won both the Fountain Youth and the Holy Bull, and up third in the Florida Derby. Um, then didn't run in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, Mohamed for Karen won the, the Fountain Youth and the Holy Bull, and he was fourth in the Florida Derby, and then fourth in the Kentucky Derby. And another horse named Booklet in 2002 for John, the late John Ward. He was, um, after winning the Fountain Youth and Holy Bull, he was fourth in the Florida Derby. Then was second in the Bluegrass, then didn't run in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, Joe Orsino knows his horse. And um, like he said after a work uh, last week, he said, you know, he's not closing the door on it, but it's also not like it's this is etched in stone. If the horse is looking at him like I, he wants to run, he's going to run him. Um, this, he had three starts in his career, and he's three for three, uh, two of them last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if he runs him in there if the horse is telling him he wants to run. I have no problem with that at all. My advice is to Joe, do what you think's best and don't worry about what anybody else says or thinks. Don't train the horse the way the press thinks you should. Dale, you, you did that with Shackelford. If you recall, he didn't run in the Holy Bull, but he ran in an allowance race, which would have been about that same time. And then he came back in the Fountain of Youth in the Florida Derby. Yep. And he ran pretty good in all of them. Ended up fourth in the Derby, won the Preakness. Yep. Fourth fourth in the Belmont. Kept right on going. Haskell, Travers, everything. All right, we'll do that all over again with Nick Zito on next Saturday's 
I Ask, They Answer program. Guys, a couple more topics to get to here this morning before you get to make your final point of the week. And this one involves Uncaptured Storm, who is a four-year-old son of Uncaptured. He has now been named the 2023 National Claiming Horse of the Year. Earlier in the show, I, I had a wonderful visit with his owner, Rick Burnsworth. The gelding changed hands five times last year, winning at least one race for whomever he ran. We've talked about some of the greatest claims of all time, but which horses will make your list of the top claimers of all time? And Dale, maybe even for you, some of the top claimers that you've had the privilege to be around over the years. Well, uh, of course, the top claimers, I don't know how anybody's ever going to top John Henry. Mm-hmm. Claimed for 25000 retired the richest racehorse in history. Uh, I've gotten lucky with a few claims. I think Turbo Thrust was claimed. He was Kentucky Claiming Horse of the Year. He claiming for 25. He won five uh, races in a row after that. And, um, Hallery Lee was claimed for 75000 She ended up being a multiple greatest stakes winner and sold for a lot of money at the auction. I mean, claiming, I'm getting back into claiming a little bit. I didn't do it for 20 years. But it, it, the way the purses are today, and the way that uh, the scrutiny of the horse before and after they run when you claim them, it's really a good opportunity to get in and do it as a business and not just for fun. I think you can make money with it. So we, we have played around with it a little this year. I'm going to try to get a lot more serious when we get back to Kentucky. Hmm. Anybody out there wants to claim a horse, call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would be calling you if I was looking to claim a horse for sure. Yeah. Timmy, how about you? No, yeah, we talked about this uh, before, and, um, you know, we mentioned some of those name horses that uh, got started in the claiming ranks. You know, like Dale said, John Henry, I mean, Seabiscuit ran in claimers. Stymie, um, back in the 40s, uh, when Dale was just getting started in the training game. And, um, <laughs> Lava Man, uh, Rich Strike was claimed uh, before he won the Derby. There's a, there's a horse that uh, I remember. I remember talking to his trainer, David Wells, um, a horse named Rapid Redux, who was on the, the Laurel Circuit, uh, Penn National. And he, he was in claiming races, and then they kept him in the cheap, cheap races, uh, start allowances. And he won 22 straight races back about 10, 12 years ago. And um, he was a neat story for a while because, you know, he set the American record for, for – most consecutive wins with 22 and he would, you know, he, he didn't make a lot of money, but, um, you know, it was a cool story for a while. He was thrust into the, uh, national limelight for a little bit when he was, uh, winning all these races, albeit, uh, you know, you know, he never ran the graded stake, but he was, uh, it, it was fun to watch that horse keep winning. And, you know, it's, it's always good when like, you know, the, the little guy gets into the national spotlight and that and rapid redux certainly did that. I always got a big kick out of that. And when I talked to David Wells about uh, his horse. Yeah. Some really cool blue collar horses. I'll take uncaptured storm and throw him on the list. He wins nine of 18 races last year and he wins for five different connections. Uh, That's a, a pretty hard-knocking horse right there. So congratulations to all of those connections of the National Claiming Horse of the Year. All right, one final topic before your final point of the week, and this one involves an anniversary here today, guys. It was 45 years ago today that trainer J.C. Williams saddled eight winners in 12 attempts at Waterford Park. Williams 
also owned seven of those eight winners. So congratulations to him. That is one heck of a day. What are some of the greatest single-day performances you can recall a trainer having? Dale, you want to take this one first? I'll take it, and I've only got one. I tell him every time I'm about once a month when we're hanging out. I think it's one of the greatest feats in American racing. Shook McGay, he's five grade one wins on one day. I don't know how anybody could top that. Great call. Yeah, that was uh, Breeders' Cup preview day in 93. Yes, it was. I made him reel them all off to me the other day. I think he actually won six races on the day because he also won the Lawrence race, I think. I'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty good one. Um, I mean, there's Richard Mandela's 2003 Breeders' Cup when he won four races on the day, including the classic but pleasantly perfect. Um, I mean, Chad Brown, a few years back, when he went down the Arlington Million, and he won all four graded stakes, and including the three grade ones. Uh, he had bricks and mortars in the million, Sister Charlie in the Beverly D and uh, Vail Point in the Secretariat. Uh, <clears throat> that was a, a really neat feat. But the one that uh, I came across, I don't know if you guys remember this, but the Michael Dickinson, the mad genius, when he was training in Europe, he won 12 on one day in Europe. Um he had 20 different horses running on the day in different tracks, six different tracks across Europe. He won 12 of them. And supposedly, as the story goes, he had told his parents when they were out to dinner one night that he was going to set the record, and he did. 12, 12 winners in one day. I think wow. I've never heard that story. Day. I think it was called Boxing Day. That's yeah, that was. Cool. Uh, I do kind of remember that, reading it somewhere. And then I went and looked it up. That's, that's a great story. Great story. That's one hell of an accomplishment. Yeah. Well, happy anniversary to J.C. Williams here on this Saturday morning. Guys, it is time in the, that time of the show when you get to make your final point of the week before we wrap things up. So, Timmy, why don't you take it first this week? Well, you know, the it was kind of sad last week when we heard the about the passing of Echo Zulu, who was such a champion, uh, champion two-year-old filly and won 9 of 11, and she was on her way to the Breeders' Cup this year, and she got injured, a bad injury in the training. Broke two sesamoids in her left front, and she just couldn't. She was euthanized in the in the incident in her stall at Santa Anita last Sunday. And, you know, you root, you were, everyone was rooting for her to beat the odds and come back and be, and be able to be a mama, but... It just wasn't to be just a, a, a sad situation. Now we just have to hope that uh, she'll get into the Hall of Fame one day. Yes, you're right. Hopefully she will. I just uh, I want to say that my stable this week lost a good friend, Cupertino Puma. He worked for me for over 20 years before he went back to Guatemala last, last uh, year. Passed away in Guatemala two days ago. Great man who's with me all through the Kitten's Joy, Rose of the May, the good and the bad and the ugly. He traveled all over the country with me, and all I want to say is rest in peace, Cooper. Uh, amen to that. Amen My to that. My condolences, Dale. All right, fellas. Guys, appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk again next week. Sounds good. Thank you.
If you have a topic you want to hear Dale and Tim discuss, email that topic to us, Mike at horseracingradio.net. We'll get it worked into the show going forward. I Ask the Answer is presented by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program and the College of Business. I'm back with more. This is the Equine Forum on the Horse Racing Radio Network, where racing comes to talk.